your news, your views, your values. This is WMNF Tampa, 88.5 FM. Radio 88.5 FM. My name is Patro Mobili, and uh, happy to. This is a happy Monday. I'm hoping that we got to get to a lot of information here today. Uh, you're now listening to Community Speaks here on your community radio station. It's summertime, and perhaps you are looking for a reason to get out of Florida today. We're here to give you some possible ideas. Talking about uh, the museum, the old museum, I believe it's called, the Old Street Museum in Washington, D.C. This is a very exciting sounding place from what I've been reading, and it has been deemed by at least one uh, booking agency as the coolest place in D.C. And, uh, we also are going to talk to one of the founders of the old museum, H.H. Leonards. She's also the author of a book on Rosa Parks, the mother of the civil rights movement in the old, because uh, she spent the last 10 years of her life at the old museum. And uh, we're just excited to be joined on the telephone here on Community Speaks by H.H. Leonards to talk to us about all this. She's touring here in Florida, so we're going to talk about where you can go and meet her. So let's uh, go straight away to H.H. Leonard's here on Community Speaks. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Your voice is terrific. I wish I had your voice. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. That makes me feel better. Well, I've been reading about the old museum in Washington, D.C. This uh, is, I've been reading, it's a totally interactive place, and about your book that I'm so excited to hear about. I can't wait to get it and read it. It's called Rosa Parks Beyond the Bus, Life, Lessons, and Leadership. So let's start there. Tell us about Miss Rosa Parks, how you got to meet this icon. Uh, we can re- re- uh Recall that she was the uh, person who refused to uh, get up out of her seat on a bus and segregated Montgomery, Alabama, and that set off a Montgomery bus boycott. It brought Martin Luther King to the forefront nationally, and uh, she said she thought about Emmett Till when she was being told to get up off her seat And she said she thought of Emmett Till and she just could not go back. So tell us about how you came to know Sister Rosa Parks. I got a phone call saying that Mrs. Parks had just been severely beaten in her home in Detroit, Michigan. She was in the hospital. She would never go back into her home again because of what happened to her. And she had no money Could she, they heard that we had a Heroes in Residence program. Could she and a few of her staff people that would care for her stay at the O Museum in the mansion at no cost? It would only be a few days until she got better to figure out where she was going to live and what she was going to do. So I did not know who Mrs. Parks was 
not having the education and growing up in Indiana that many places are blessed to learn. But I could tell from the need in Brother Willis Edwards' voice that this was something I had to do. It was such an urgency that I said the words, yes. So he said when she gets out of the hospital, he would bring her there and he would give us notice. And it was about three weeks later when he called and said, she's getting out of the hospital tomorrow. We're gonna need five rooms because she is still very frail and needs around the clock care. Could we do that? And I said, absolutely, of course. Um, what is interesting is that when she came, Again, I didn't Google her, I didn't do any research. It was just about blind faith and the things you do for others in life. But when she arrived and she was brought in a wheelchair and there's a ramp downstairs in the old museum and she came in and she reached out her hand and I touched her and knew immediately that my life was irrevocably changed. Still didn't know who she was, but it was in that touch that I, I knew that what I, it was God's message for me to say the words yes. And it was about three years later that she was downstairs talking with the guests. She stayed more than a few days. And I think it was because I didn't know who she was that she stayed because I loved her for who she was in her soul and her heart. And she was so used to people being nice to her because of her fame. But it was about three years later that someone said, H, the woman across the room, do you know who that is? And I said, yes, it's Mrs. Rosa Parks. And they looked at me and said, do you know what she's done? And I said, no, and they told me and I was humiliated immediately. I knew of the incident, I just didn't tie the name together with what had happened and how the world had been changed by her. And I apologized that evening profusely and told her how humiliated I was. And she just, held my hand and said, my dear, this was God's way because I know you love me for who I am and not for what I've done. And now what took you so long was her second <laughs> question and we both laughed, but she said, now that you know who I am, would you mind traveling with me? Um, and so the last seven years she was with me, wherever she went, whenever I could, I did go travel with her. And that's when I learned from other people asking her questions um, the depth and breadth of who she was um, to the outside world. But so many people don't know who this woman, what this woman has done throughout her whole life. And they assume that it was just an act of defiance in 1955. And in the 1930s, she was documenting rape victims, both men and women in Southern Alabama um, at her own um, she was fearless and yet she weighed less than a hundred pounds and was a very, um, I think she was probably five foot one, five foot two. Um, so she wasn't someone that could protect herself, um, but this was her mission yeah, to give others a voice where she had none. So she was always about serving others from the time she was a small girl. So, she and that's something that I also didn't know that she was an uh, advocate. Basically, Me Too before Me Too became a thing, uh, advocate for rape victims. And uh, yes, go ahead. And I think that if she had lived when Me Too started, 
she probably would have written another book. She wrote a magnificent book called My Story that talks about what it was like growing up in the South and, and her relationship with her mother. Her mother wasn't fit to be a mother, um, but she still loved her. Her father left when she was not quite two. Um, but what it was like growing up um, in that environment and how she honored her mother and what she had mother had done for her. She sent her to live with her grandparents, um, which was life-changing for her, and she viewed it as a positive thing. But she wrote about it so all children could understand that no matter what you're born with, you can overcome it and do these great things if you're serving others. And she explains how that happens. So I think if she had been alive when the Me Too movement had started, she would have written a book about her personal life um, with assault and how you overcome that too. Um, that, so, was a, that was an attempted assault on her in 1931. Um, yes, and then later on, and then again when she was 81 years old. And if you Google her in the assault in Detroit, you will see that, unless they have corrected themselves because of my book, but you will read that she was went to the emergency room and they let her out immediately um, because she was fine. But the real story was that she was there for weeks. She was so badly injured that her pacemaker was dislodged. And but still in pain and in shock, she refused to be admitted into the hospital until everybody there signed an NDA non-disclosure agreement that she was never being treated in the hospital. And she did it because she did not want the children of the world to be fearful that they could be attacked in their home. Because she remembered what it was like as a small child in Alabama. Her uncle spent almost every night about two feet from their front door in an armchair with a rifle across his knees to protect their family because of the Klan. And she didn't want anyone to have to suffer that as she had suffered. Really quite an extraordinary woman. Yeah. Well, and that's really... No, go ahead. But really, that's beyond the bus. Explaining to people um, about the real Mrs. Parks and not necessarily her history, although a little bit is there, but just about her heart and her soul. Because... That's how you survive these things with a positive outlook toward life. And that's how you teach others. And I think it was because of that, that she is so loved and why you know about Dr. King and you know about Mrs. Parks, but so many other people that were famous at the time, other than them have not endured because it's about the soul. Certainly. And the uh, attack on Rosa Parks in 1994 was by a black man who was drug addicted. And I remember that there were there were times when people were writing opinion pieces that she should condemn, you know, young people who do this and uh, condemn that black man who actually said he knew her and still attacked her. Uh, and she refused to go and play along with that narrative that she protected that community and that says a lot about her and she's but she sorry she also though testified against him in court because he she wanted him to pay his dues 
and to learn from that experience. So she and she also said if she didn't do that, the women of the world would not stand up for their rights. Um, but she forgave him. She did not forget. And her life was irrevocably changed from that incident when she was 81. But again, she took the horror. Um, she came to me. She did not leave her room for about six months. Um, I was told not to tell anyone that Mrs. Parks was living here. So she had her privacy in order to heal spiritually, um, emotionally, um, and physically. She never sec- separated those th- three things. They were always the same, but she identified them as being different, but coming together. Um, and then she decided after the six months, what she wanted to do and who she wanted to become and how she was going to help other people from that incident. And she told me that she hadn't understood when her beloved brother had come back from World War II, was suffering so severely from PTSD. She didn't understand it, that she understood it now. So the last 10 years of her life, whenever she traveled, she made sure she talked to veterans about how they could also survive the horrors of what they observed and lived um, by serving others. So really remarkable, giving back, looking at whatever you happens to you is God's way of teaching you lessons so you could serve other people better. Yes, and uh, we're speaking here on Community Speaks with H.H. Leonard. She's the author of the book, Rosa Parks, Beyond the Bus, Life Lessons and Leadership. And we are certainly learning a lot about Rosa Parks' life, not only beyond the bus, but before the bus. And uh, we're finding just how selfless she was despite all that had happened. And really what happened in 1955 was the beginning of a true revolution in terms of standing up to the status quo in this country, not just in this country, but in Montgomery, Alabama, uh, specifically. Rosa Parks played a a crucial role in all that. And I just want to thank you, H.H. Leonard, for not only writing this book so that the world can be uh, uh, edified by it, but also for helping her in that last 10 years. What was her family in that last 10 years? Um, she loved her brother very deeply, um, was devastated when he and her husband passed. She loved her nieces and nephews dearly, um, but they, um, and invited him to, them to everything, but they, um, it was painful her from her because after her brother passed, they kept her just their distance um, and would contact her if they needed a letter to get into a school or a recommendation to get a job. But it, it pained her, but she loved them despite all. Well, you opened up the old museum to her under the Heroes in Residence program. Tell us more about that and who else may have benefited from that program. So we started out um, from the the beginning of when I started this. And I started with no money, no business background, no art background, no design background. I am an example that if you have a mission and a vision and follow God's will, that you can do everything, that you can survive everything. You just have to have that belief 
that it will happen because it's God's gift. So from the very beginning, um, when I moved in, I had no furniture. I had a few books and records because music and books are very important to me. I slept on the floor. I had no food. Um, we did do it come as you are parties and people brought their own dish and everyone shared. And we were doing a surprise party in costume. And I went to a used clothing store to get something to wear a costume. And I heard this music on what I thought was the radio. And it was an extraordinary singer. And I ran out and said, who's on the radio? I can't, I have to, the, the music is amazing. And they said, it's some homeless man that's singing um, for clothes. So I went and asked him if he would perform that night. And he came in and again, there's no furniture, but we all had food. We all shared it. We were all one. And he sang and no one talked the rest of the evening. He just sang a cappella, and people gave him money. Um, and he did that a few times during the summer. And in the winter, he knocked on the door and said, I live on the streets. Would you mind if I slept in your home? Um, when it's too cold outside for me to be on the street. So I said, okay, of course. And um, his name was Cordell and he, someone donated a piano the first winter he was there and he got a little transistor radio. He put it on the piano and he started to teach himself how to play the piano. And after three years, he was really good. It was like a Bobby Short. He was mm -hmm. extraordinary. He, when he sang a song, he never sang it the same way because he created a new song within the song um, because it was just so amazing. And it was about his emotion and his feeling toward the lyrics and the melody. So after three years, I got him a job singing at a local hotel for $2,500 a month. Wow. But he still felt comfortable being on the streets, not living with us. So only in the winters would he come back. Um, he would come before he performed and we'd give him a shower. We'd walk him, make sure his tuxedo was clean. We'd walk him to where he was going to perform to make sure he got there. But one of the, he would always sing for us on Christmas Eve. And one of the, we're open to the public. We, we serve food for everybody. And one Christmas Eve, he was singing, Oh, Holy Night. And I don't recognize people, but, uh, someone started singing Oh Holy Night with him and it was Pavarotti. <laughs> so here is a homeless man named Cordell, no last name, that gets to perform with Pavarotti. I mean, it was an extraordinary <laughs> evening. And unfortunately, it was about before cell phones and so no one could say, hey, I heard that. Um, but he was a, a vet and he started our um, vet PTSD program. So since 1980, we've been doing that. And we average about a thousand free rooms a year there. And the hotel license is really there to help other people. And I guess somebody had stayed there. And when it happened, it was close to the inside circle of Mrs. Parks and suggested that she come to us. So God works in mysterious ways, but you'd have to listen when he speaks to you. Yes. Well, we are listening to... H. H. Leonard here on Community Speaks, the author of the book, uh, Rosa Parks, Life, Lessons, and, and uh, Experience. Leadership. Uh, leadership. Thank you very much. It's so, it's so many, so much information that I want to get to you about on this. Uh, but I do want to invite you to call and Join this conversation with A.H. Leonard. Leonard's here on Community Speaks. You can call us, 
Irene is waiting to take your call in the back end. Uh, you can ask H.H. Leonard your own questions uh, about anything that you've already talked about. But tell us about your tour here in Florida. You're you're here visiting our state. Yeah. Um, I felt it was important, and it's something that Mrs. Parks would have done for sure when the school books started to change in Florida to talk about Mrs. Parks's message. And it's about love and equality and treating everyone the same, no matter what your race is or nationality or gender. So I um, decided to spend most of July and August in Florida speaking. You might have to visit me in jail, but I also made sure that I didn't do anything in any place that would be adversely affected by my conversations. So most of the places I'm speaking in are churches. Um, so I'm really looking forward to them. And I really appreciate your conversation because um, Mrs. Parks would have loved meeting you. You're very special. Thank you. I would have loved to have met her. But what was really interesting is um, she was a futurist before anyone even knew what a futurist was because she kept on telling me over and over and over again. And I did not understand it until the past few years that the laws changed. She was part of the laws changing, but that if we didn't pay attention to people's hearts and change people's hearts, that the laws would revert back. And it is exactly what's happened. So my mission is to speak to as many people as I can about her so that they can learn from her example um, and her words of wisdom, deep words of wisdom, that they can make a difference, that you don't have to have money, you don't have to have fame, you just have to wanna help and serve other people. So I'll speak to two people, I'll I'll speak to 3,000 people about that. And many of the times when I've been invited, Um, I have talked to white supremacist groups, just like Mrs. Parks did. And um, those are interesting experiences. But at each of them, even though it was uncomfortable for me, someone has come up and sobbing and said how I've changed their life. So if I can reach one person that didn't understand what equality means, I I have purpose. So the the museum, the old museum in the mansion is uh, it sounds so exciting. I can't wait to come and and visit because it it seems that I've read it seems like I read somewhere that it was also part of an African-American tour in D.C. Yes. Yes. Um, Because. Because Mrs. Parks lived with us and um, what we've done since it started in 1980. um, It's about hope and it's about you can, by allowing yourself to be creative and think out of the box, you can do amazing things. So the facility, which is 112 rooms, 80 secret doors are there, um, that you can understand that anything is possible if you dare to be different. It's about 
taking that step and allowing yourself to be yourself. And so many people have so many experiences in their lives and they forget about them. They put it on a shelf in a box. And when they come here, because it's an, such an experience, pieces of their lives are remembered by just seeing objects that they forgot. And they have conversations, not just with the people they're with, but they reach out and meet other interesting people here. So we've had a lot of miracles that have happened at, at the museum and mansion. One example is we had two men that were staying overnight because we're also a, a boutique hotel and they just happened to talk to each other. And one of the men said, hey, where are you from? And they gave where they were born. And he said, oh, I'm from that town too. And they ultimately found out that they were next door neighbors. They didn't recognize each other. When they were seven years old, one of the gentleman's parents put him into a car and drove off. And two hours later said, oh, by the way, we're moving. And he never got to say goodbye to his best friend. Mm -hmm. He said that he didn't have any friends from them because he was afraid of losing them. And here they were in their 50s meeting each other. Both of them were in tech. Both of them were doing the same exact thing in tech. One was living in New Hampshire, one was living in Nebraska, and they met again. Wow. So, they, and they had gone to the same tech conferences for the past 10 years, but they never talked to each other. Here, people talk with each other. And that's where the miracle comes in communication and opening your heart. And when you get on an elevator, instead of looking down here, people talk to each other, even on the elevator and they exchange ideas. And even when, if it's, where did you find the secret door with Tinkerbell in it? Or did you find the pop culture? Or did you find Mrs. Parks's room? Or did you find the log cabin? Um, they're talking and communicating and that's the beginning of opening your heart. Yeah, so it sounds very interactive and you say that uh, if you're walking through the museum you'll be walking in the footsteps of presidents and freedom fighters historians and authors yep. artists and musicians athletes scholars and many others who've experienced the uh old museum it sounds like a very special place one of a kind well, type place one of a kind and Prince used to come here in the middle of the night and write music. Mm -hmm. So if you were lucky enough to be here when he was here, you get to hear that, but no one ever bothers the artists when they're doing this, unlike other places. So you get the Rolling Stones that come through the back of a kitchen of a hotel with blankets over their heads so no one knows who they are here. They don't feel they have to because they can be their own creatives and be anonymous. Yeah. Well, we got to take a short break, but I'm certain these Floridians, uh, anyone who's listening anywhere around the world, have questions for you. So you can stay with us a little while longer? Yes, honored. Okay. Well, we're talking to H.H. Leonards, and she is the author of a book on Sister Rosa Parks. Uh, and um, it's called Beyond the Bus, Life Lessons and Leadership. And uh, we're going to get right back to that and talk more about this museum that I wanted to get out of Florida and go to. And H.H. Uh, Leonard is touring through Florida right now. We might have to protect her, even though she's just speaking in churches right now. Uh, we know that there's been an, an attack on, on certain books. And uh, even Rosa Parks came under uh, question in some Florida books. So uh, that's just shameful for Florida. But we're going to talk more and hopefully you'll join us 
here on Community Speaks by calling 813-239-9663 or you can write me dj at wmnf.org and of course you can listen anywhere around the world on wmnf.org just click on the the microphone and uh you can join the discussion call us write us uh keep listening this is so interesting and it sounds like an interesting museum to go to uh this sounds like such an interesting book and uh we'll be right back we got so much more to talk about interview show called Tuesday Cafe every Tuesday morning at 10 on 88.5 WMNF. I interview environmentalists, politicians, social justice activists, academics, and other experts about topics that impact you right here in the Tampa Bay area. I focus on issues that are important locally and across the whole state of Florida. The show is called Tuesday Cafe with Sean Canan. It's every Tuesday morning at 10 on 88.5 FM, WMNF Tampa, and on WMNF.org. Hi, this is Mitch Perry, reporter with the Ford of Phoenix and one of the co-hosts of the new public affairs show here on WMNF called The Skinny, where we give you the real straight deal. I'll be joined every Friday morning at 11 a.m. with my co-hosts, Ben Montgomery and Ray Roa, editor-in-chief of Creative Loafing, as we get in-depth on some of the biggest stories happening in the Tampa Bay area and Florida. That's this and every Friday at 11 a.m. And we are back to the Community Speaks. My name is Patro Mobili. We're joined on the telephone uh, by Zoom call, actually, with H.H. Leonard. She's the author of the book, Rosa Parks, Beyond the Bus, Life Lessons and Leadership. We're also talking about a wholly interactive museum called Museum, the old museum in the mansion. And this was the place where Rosa Parks spent the last 10 years of her life and, uh, this book is a result, H.H., of uh, your conversations with Rosa Parks, correct? Yes. So she she revealed a lot to you from her heart. I was honored to be able to listen. And what was extraordinary about her is we shared our thoughts about family, God, and serving others. But I rarely asked her any questions, um, definitely about history, but she would just know how I was feeling because we would frequently hold hands and just sit there and hold hands. We didn't have to speak to each other because we could feel each other. And sometimes what she was thinking and she would channel through holding hands and what how she was feeling. But she could sense where I was emotionally and spiritually, and she would t- tell me stories that helped sort out my life without me having to even 
divulge where I was or what had happened. And that was also, um, I, I said she was a futurist, but she her spirituality was so deep mm-hmm. that she could understand things that perhaps you didn't understand them at the time. And it wasn't until I started writing this book that I understood how she had changed my life in such a positive way. And I wish when she was alive, I had known what I know now because every day I would have gotten up and I would have, thank you, Mrs. Parks. Thank you, Mrs. Parks. Thank you, Mrs. Parks. Mm -hmm. I'm doing it now and I think you can hear me. (laughs) Yes, I'm certain that spirit does. And uh, we're going to go to the telephone lines and it sounds like maybe my voice is not enunciating the museum's name is Old Museum from Old Street in D.C., not Old Museum. Uh, it <laughs> looks like that's what some people are hearing. So let me just clear that up. This is part of the Old Street Foundation. Uh, this is a part of cultural tourism. D.C. has designated Old Museum in the mansion, a historic 20th century civil rights site, and it's on the African-American Heritage Trail. We're going to go to the telephone lines, H.C. with... Uh, our listeners have to ask of you or say to you. We're going to go first to Ted here. Uh, I think it says he's from Elford. Uh, we got to go and see what Ted has to say about all this to you. Let's go to the telephone lines, 813-239-9663. Go ahead, Ted. Hello, You're good on- afternoon. What a wonderful show today. Thank you so much. I am deeply, deeply moved as I'm driving back from Orlando listening your guest uh, today, H.H. Lawrence. What a wonderful thing. I coincidentally am flying in the morning for work to Baltimore and would like to come by. Is, is the museum open um, to tours and visits just on the regular basis? Yes, we're open seven days a week, uh, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesdays from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, 9 to 9 And it is a joyous experience. Depending on where you are in Baltimore, I think the longest time it'll take to get to us is 45 minutes. But there is a marked train at six bucks that takes you right to our train station here. And that's 10 minutes away. That's wonderful. I'm actually will be in chivalry. So I'll be right across the the state line. And I look forward to coming and visiting um, while I'm there the next few days. Um, Thank you so much again for the show. What a wonderful Wonderful um, afternoon experience this has been for me, and I look forward to meeting you in person if you're there. And my husband's name is Ted. (laughs) You heard that, Ted? Yes, yes, thank you. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Ted, for calling. Uh, We're going to go to Michael in Tampa. Go ahead, Michael. You say what? Mobile, my friend. How are you? It's great to listen today. Thank you, Michael. He's also an author, H. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes. What um, if right? I have written a fiction book uh, entitled Curveball at the Crossroads. It's about a baseball player who makes a deal with the devil to uh, get back in the game. And uh, it's fiction. It's a, it's a light fiction read uh, for baseball fans out there. So, you know. Um, but I'd really like to talk to you today and um, about the O Museum and comparing it to, maybe Mobili can talk a little bit more, comparing it to our Jackson House here, as well as to, in my travels, I've been to Clarksdale, Mississippi, and the Riverside Hotel in Clarksdale recently got a grant to redo that hotel because it was a civil rights hotel. 
So I know that there's a movement going on to try and refurbish some of these places around the country that have been monuments to civil rights and where places, you know, such as Rosa Park stayed. Um, I know in the Riverside Hotel, there are so many people that came through southern Mississippi or through the Mississippi Delta and stayed there because of segregation and some of the issues that are facing that, that region. And then it fell into disarray. So they had to apply for grants and things like that. Is that something that the O Museum had to do as well? And you know, our Jackson House here in Tampa, Mobili might be able to uh, elaborate a little bit more. That that as well as falling into disarray, and there's a movement to try and get that back standing and um, in good uh, good health. Yeah. So again, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I just want to say, great show, and I'll let y'all uh, if you could elaborate a little bit more about that. I will, but first I want to tell you how much Mrs. Parks loved baseball. Whenever she traveled, she would take children to the baseball games. Um, and Detroit, whenever she could get tickets, she would take children to the games. It was very important to her. She said she was never an athlete, but that Jackie, the Negro League, and then Jackie Robinson was so important for her to teach children about living an exemplary life. So while she was at the games and joined, herself and the children enjoying themselves, she would talk about these legends, what they had done, what the, how they survived in a positive manner. And um, I wish I had uh, the baseball that she signed. Um, oh. She did one, but uh, we gave it away. <laughs> and uh. I think it's in a museum somewhere, but it was her passion. So you wrote a good book, Introducing Other much. People. As far as um, the Jackson House, when I'm in Tampa, I will make a point of going by. What we're doing in Washington is um, during the pandemic, we created a program called 51 Steps to Freedom, going through Washington, D.C., pointing out all the hidden figures in D.C. that fought for equality and freedom and telling the stories, not about the buildings they lived in, because that's kind of boring, showing them, but talking about the heart and soul of the people who lived inside them and the struggles that they went through to identify. So the children of today, and I say children can be a 90-year-old, can come to terms with who they want to become. But we're using a lot of augmented reality so that we can show them what the building used to look like, what it's looking like now, and then what it's going to become in five years when we do the work like you're doing with a Jackson house is restoring it. So you, you can teach those lessons and how people survived those times because those were horrible times. And we're coming back to those times again. So we need to prepare ourselves, educate our everybody, actually. It's not just an age group we need to educate, but we need to educate all ages. And the way to educate is to change people's hearts so they see the bigger picture and that we all are the same. God created us as equals and we've separated, um, unfortunately, even more now than ever. And there is always hope. Mrs. Park said over and over again, the struggle continues, the struggle continues, the struggle continues. But if you pay attention to the hearts of the people you meet, if you shake their hand, if they feel your soul, they won't fear you. And she felt racism was really based on fear. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank you, Michael. Well, thank you very much. All right. Y'all you, have a great day. You too. Thank you. And the Jackson House, uh, there, there's a struggle to get it refurbished. It seems like it's, it's uh, 
the neighbor, there's a there's a business that's its neighbor is preventing the uh, plans from moving forward. So hopefully we'll we'll find some way of of getting that resolved because it really needs to be uh, preserved, much like uh, the old museum. Uh, the uh, fact that you started that museum without any money, you struggled so much. That's an inspiration. But also we had a problem in 1990, which was 10 years after we were here with our neighbors. So um, where they uh, did want, not want to have us con to continue to have a liquor business for our entertainment part of our business. And they fought it for a very long time. And they said that they would settle with us because they loved who we were and how we would help the community and the neighborhood. But they didn't want blacks coming into the house and into their neighborhood. And at that time, our board, because we're a nonprofit, was probably 80% black. And my lawyer who was negotiating this was a female black lawyer. And we went to negotiate and we came across the street. It was a neighbor directly across the street. And I said, did you hear what I heard, Marlene? And she said, yes, I will talk to the board members and have them resign um, so you can get your liquor license renewed and then we'll come back on. And I said to her, I can't live like that. I'm not going to do that because that's not who I am. I'm not going to be two-faced and subterfuge. So uh, it lasted for a while, but you have to just persist when you have that vision. What they're doing with the Jackson House is just really critical path. And you just have to be persistent and continue to do good things in the community despite that neighbor. And eventually the other neighbors are going to make the change because they're going to go to that one person and say, hey, this is a good person. Move if you don't like it, because this is part of our history. And that's what happened. Um, so it's just don't. Don't give up. Allow other people to change who you're you are, what your soul is, what your foundation is, and just persist. And it will happen. Well, we're speaking with H.H. H. Leonard, the author of the book on Rosa Parks, uh, and uh, it's called Beyond the Bus, Life Lessons and Leadership. We're going to go to Sister Kelly here in Tampa, joining us on the telephone. Uh, Sister Kelly, are you there? Well, it looks like we're having a hard time getting her on the phone. Go ahead. Sister Kelly, are you there from Tampa? Yes, my baby. What an inspiring spirit you have on your show today. I thought I was not interested in traveling ever in this country. As, um, my roots is from the Caribbean. But I, this is my number one on my bucket list as an 81-year-old person. This is so inspiring, and I bless this beautiful lady. And now I can say I know about Sister Rosa Parks because I only knew about the bus, the bus uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> event. So blessings, and thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank Blessings you. to you. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. H. I was just sending her blessings in return. Okay. That's 
Sounds like she's gonna. Sister Kelly has got some planning. <laughs> she's got some travel planning to make, uh, and this is so inspiring. Uh, talking about beyond the bus, talking about the legacy of Sister Rosa Parks. Uh, we are learning just listen, just reading some of the information on your website. We're learning a lot about. Uh, Rosa Parks that I didn't know she had participated in. She, uh, of course, you mentioned she talked, she helped with the State of the Union speech for uh, for Hillary, for the First Lady Hillary Clinton, that President Clinton's State of the Union speech. Uh, uh, she has a Congressional Medal of Honor and her statue is in the halls of Congress. She was the first woman to ever be honored there I'm I'm in disbelief. I, I I thought there were other women honored there, but it's wonderful that Rosa Parks was with there. You said that conversations with uh, at the Vatican regarding working with the Pope to combat racism and support human rights. I mean, these are legacy issues that I didn't know she was so deeply involved in. So let me tell you a story about when she spoke, when she was at the State of the Union address, because it's an extraordinary example of who she was. It was right after Monica Lewinsky and it was televised and no Republican and no Democrat would clap at anything President Clinton spoke about. And it was an extraordinary speech if anyone wants to look it up um, until he introduced Mrs. Park sitting next to his wife. And Everybody, all the justices, every politician stood up and clapped for about what seemed to me 10 to 15 minutes. It was just talking about it. I have goosebumps. Mm -hmm. And when we got home, she was very tired. And I asked her before she retired for the evening, I said, Mrs. Parks, that was just so extraordinary. What did it feel like to have people that didn't? sit down, they just clapped and clapped and clapped for you. And Mrs. Parks would never answer a question quickly. She always paused and thought about what her response would be. She measured her words so that each of them had impact. And she thought for about three to four minutes. And her response was, I am so happy I helped my country. Mm -hmm. It was never about her. Right. Well, that's why she was a hero. And she was part of the Hero in Residence program. There are other institutions that, you know, you could possibly conclude on your travel list if you're interested in going to the museum in the mansion, the old museum in the mansion. There's also the Rosa and Raymond Institute. Uh, there's also the... Um, there's a there's a couple of other the, the Rosa Parks Museum in Montgomery, Alabama, which is wonderful. Uh, and and there's also in walking distance of Mrs. Parks' wonderful museum in Montgomery. It's a new museum called the Legacy Museum, and it's a very large building indoor, and they have large gardens that they bust you to. But it is an extraordinary museum that will make you feel about. Um, Incarceration today is a form of slavery. Mm -hmm. You don't read about it through augmented reality, through music, and through sculpture. You feel it. 
So it's another place. And if anyone is in Montgomery, please go visit Mrs. Parks's museum, but also the Legacy Museum. Well, and uh, the old museum, if I'm walking through the museum, I'm going to see so many things that have to do with rock, that has to do with pop art. Uh, I'm looking here, the Miss USA's crown, Prince's purple rain jacket, as you mentioned. Uh, There are other things in the gallery, assigned guitars, uh, and I'm looking at some beautiful art right behind you right now. Who's that by? Uh, He lives in New Orleans, and every August he usually comes up here and stays for free and paints. And we never know what's going to come from his heart, but it's wonderful. And he paints the people um, without faces because he feels that he doesn't have a face and he doesn't have a voice. And so he paints his feelings into it so other people can superimpose who they are onto each and every one of his paintings. But they're really beautiful. And he only paints on recycled items. So you'll see satellite dishes that people have thrown out because they don't use satellite dishes that much anymore. Or we'll find old doors or old windows um, that he uses. He never has to go and buy canvases because he just paints on things other people don't have bring value to. Um, so it's we're, we're blessed to have his artwork here. It sounds like a revolutionary place. And I mean, especially regardless of class, you know, people can come and be a hero in residence. They could uh, paint. They could really get into their craft. And uh, so, you know, I just think that this is a wonderful sounding place. We have no no agenda for the people that stay here so many of them will just sleep they need a place to breathe they need a place to recalibrate um some horrible things have happened to them and they just need to figure out who they want to become again and um that's the the house is like a sanctuary mm-hmm. and you can touch history you can feel history but you can find pieces of yourself that maybe you've lost and rediscover them and figure out how you're going to stand up and keep on going one of the things mrs parks taught me was to forgive everyone everything before you went to sleep but when you wake up in the morning to remember to forgive yourself and that's what the house is about, letting go. That's the old museum in the mansion. Uh, we're speaking with H.H. H. Leonard. She's the author of the book, Rosa Parks, Life, Lessons, and Leadership. Beyond the Bus, Life, Lessons, and Leadership. We've been talking about Sister Rosa Parks and uh, this place that gave her sanctuary after some very unfortunate a very unfortunate attack on her life. Uh, of course, what happened on the bus was unfortunate. A lot of people don't know the real story there. The The fact of the matter is Rosa Parks was already sitting in the black section in segregated Montgomery, and she was asked to get up out of that section and make room for a white person because the white section was full. So it was just, it was, it was a uh, humiliation from beginning to end, but even before the bus. So, Thank you, thank you, thank you, H.H. Leonard, for writing this book and uh, touring through Florida and and giving a a place of refuge, not just to Rosa Parks, but so many people who needed it. So thank you. And thank you for speaking and having this radio show. 
so people can learn your wisdom and wisdom from the people you interview. Very important. Yeah, definitely. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk again in person because I'm making my way to D.C. <laughs> I am coming to D.C. I'm going to bring some people with me. We're going to make this happen. So Great. Thank you. Bless you for that. And, and I uh, hope to see you in so I'll keep you abreast of when I'm there. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for joining me here today. And I'm certainly our audience have enjoyed listening to you. They've learned a lot today. They've learned about a place we can go and get away from Florida. Sometimes we just need to get out of Florida. <laughs> Thank you once again, H.H. Leonard, for joining me here on Community Speaks. And that's the show for today. And uh, we're going to be back, of course, next week. And uh, we're going to get back to the music next here on your community radio station, WMNF Tampa 88.5 FM. This has been Community Speaks. My name is Patro Mobili. This was uh, an important program to recall the mother of civil rights, Rosa Parks. And again, the book is called Beyond the Bus, Life, Lessons, and Leadership. But keep it tuned here on your community radio station. It's the music. It's coming your way next. Following headlines from National Public Radio News.